Hello and welcome back to the Edge of the Box podcast at podcastboywhoscored.com. I'm your host, Dan Bardell, joined by Ben from Who Scored and Jonathan Wilson, who is just celebrating Sunderland's Cup exit. We're not here to talk about the Cup, though. We're here to talk about the Premier League. And weirdly, we're going to start with Leeds against Manchester United because Manchester United played Leeds last night. 2-2, entertaining game. Leeds going two up, but Manchester United doing a bit of an Alex Ferguson and coming back and getting back to 2-2. Jonathan Leeds looking for a new manager, though, although there, there was signs of recovery last night, but they're going to hire a new manager. Yeah, I mean, to an extent, last night's game was very similar to the last sort of three or four months that they played yeah. pretty well and they didn't win the game. Yeah. And that they'd probably be a bit frustrated not to take more from the game. And, uh, you know, we were discussing this last week, weren't we, that um, it's 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 very hard to know what went wrong in the Jesse Marsh. That as, a, as an outsider, largely dealing in highlights, but occasionally seeing them, them live or seeing full games, they seem to be playing pretty well, but they just weren't weren't getting enough points. Can't score. Um, I think that was the main issue. They just couldn't put the ball in the back of the net. That was the problem against Forrest. Yeah, I mean... It, it, I think it's a it's a classic problem in both boxes because I think they've been letting 26 goals now this season, which is the fourth worst record in, in the league. So it's partly not taking chances, it's partly letting in too many goals. And obviously, they're both quite bad things and quite not fundamental ideal. things. So I don't know if it's just a slight lack of confidence, whether it's it's something with process coaches that they, they, yeah, they get the process right, but actually you need an end to the process. Um I think, and this was true under Bielsa as well, that the injury to, to Bamford has really hampered them because you know he he on form is a very good striker, but he obviously hasn't been scoring recently. Uh, or hasn't been scoring many recently. Scored uh, Rodrigo being injured hasn't helped. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, if you are our leads, I think I, th- I think that, that you know, the 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 timing looks a bit odd coming just after the end of the transfer window, and that's obviously was never part of the plan. But equally, I do get from your owner's point of view, you're looking at the table, you're looking at other teams in the table, and you yeah. think, well, Bournemouth and Southampton probably in trouble, but there's not actually another bad side down there. Um, Everton may be starting to recover. West Ham showing signs of recovery. Wolves showing signs of recovery. So Leeds have to do something. They can't just let this drift. Uh, Forest playing really well at the minute. Um so I, I, I have sympathy for Jesse Marsh because, I, I, as I say, I think they played played pretty well in quite a lot of games, but they weren't getting results, and and I, I get that you need to need to arrest that. Yeah, Ben, almost Everton getting Sean Dyche in and beating Arsenal, and giving them a bit of a lift and a bounce, and then the following day Leeds lead, losing to a team that you'd expect to be down in the battle with them in in terms of Nottingham Forest. I think those two things combined losing that game. Sean Dyche coming in and, as I say, Everton looking like they might they might recover. Making a change, I feel like the hand was forced a little bit. I liked Jesse Marsh in terms of I liked the way Leeds played. I liked that they had an identity. I, I thought they were unlucky in, in a lot of games and it's not his fault if the strikers can't put the ball in the back of the net. But the results had not been good enough. But all those things I've just spoken about, they probably all came together and, that, and that's why he's got the sack. Yeah, and Jonathan makes a good point in that there's uh, signs of recovery for Everton and Wolves, both of them changed manager yeah. in the last sort of three months or so. So Leeds have probably seen that and thought, well, we, we need to do the same now just because we're not going the right direction on the marsh. I mean, last night extended their winless run to eight eight matches, which is the second longest and matched their eight-game winless run from earlier in the season. So it's just a combination of 
bad luck for Marsh. You can't put the ball in the back of the net. You go one nil down, and then you sort of fold. Um, it, you know, counterintuitively, that's what Marsh is there to was there to sort out. You know, if you go one nil down, you need to have that resolve to haul yourself back into the game. And they were unlucky against Forest. They were up against an aspired Caelan Navas on his debut. Um, but it's it is bad luck as well on their part, especially losing Rodrigo to injury, Bamford having his time on the sidelines. And unfortunately, it cost Marsh's job. It was different problems last night, obviously going 2 0 up and, and then tricking it away. And Manchester United coming back into the game at 2 2. Jonathan, you touched on it that the timing was a little bit odd. Not only have they just brought in a load of players that pretty much fit a Jesse Marsh system, fit the Leeds ethos of the type of player they've been signing under Jesse Marsh, they also just brought in a new coach to assist him. It was very mm. felt very Red Bull centric as well with, with with what they were doing. So they've made all these changes, and now there probably isn't another manager like that out there. Um, yeah, I mean, particularly the the American focus. Uh, you, you you think that's oh, that, that's a that's backing for Marsh that that yeah getting his people for for one of a better term. Um, but I I think it's it's you know an issue that. If you're an owner, you see your club sliding, you see the results aren't getting better, whatever you might think of performances, and you think, right, we've got to do something. And, and in those cases, the easiest thing to do is always to change the manager. Um, and yeah, Leeds may well have a bounce. And that it may be that's just a regression to the mean and would have happened under Marsh anyway. But I also think um, managers do get on these downward cycles where people just start to lose faith in them. And, and and so it can look like an over-easy solution to to just make the sacrifice. Um, but equally, sometimes you, you know, when, when managers are on that drift and they, they can't stop things going wrong, sometimes you do just need somebody else to come in and, and reset everything, go back to basics and and start doing the, the simple things again. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm sure they'll appoint a pressing coach. Um, yeah, Arno Slot seems to be the person they're, they're going after now, having having not been able to get Areola from Vivacano. Uh, Slot plays that sort of front foot pressing football. I'm, I'm sure it's it's different to Marsh's because all these pressing coaches are slightly different. Yeah. Uh, the other name that's been linked is Basile Cajado, who from River Plate, who's, who's been brilliant at River. Um, he's been linked with really big European clubs for two or three years now. Um, he's won the Libertadores. He, he got him to another final. You think possibly that would be a step down for him, but then the money in the Premier League is so good. And it may be that Leeds, having been Bielsa's club, sort of gives him an extra uh, glamour in, in an Argentinian context. I mean, if they could get Cajado, I think that would be a, a brilliant appointment. But I think he is also quite a difficult man. Uh, Slot is, you know, he's, he's another shaven-headed, aggressive Dutchman and... I, I'm largely in favour of shaving head of aggressive Dutchman. I mean, they definitely pressed less last night. I think that was part of the game plan against Manchester United. But what always struck me was the, the players were clearly playing for Jesse Marsh. They, they were always putting a shift in. They, they hadn't thrown in the towel at all. I think the fans had gone. And when the fans had gone, that, that's always going to be a problem for, for a manager. One bright spark for Leeds, though, Ben, is Willie Nanto. I'm struggling to say that name. The, the, the silent J absolutely killing me. Where does he rank among the best youngsters in the Premier League? And good luck to you, saying it. Um, I mean, if you look at just teenagers, uh, he is in there just below Evan Ferguson. Of course, Evan Ferguson has only made uh, five appearances for Brighton and 
unfortunately looks to be out for a bit on the sidelines. If you do sort of on, on the edge of 20, he is still second. So, you know, he is a very, very bright young talent for uh, for Leeds. He was obviously brought in to play, not even coming straight to the senior team, but then injuries forced Marsh's hand and Leeds and Nonto haven't really looked back since. Yeah, he's been really good, Jonathan. He's an absolute live wire. I watched him at Villa Park recently live in, in, in the flesh and absolutely rapid, very, very tricky. He's, he's got good strength, good good upper body strength. He's quite small, but he's got good upper body strength as well. He can, he can beat men, but he can also fend them off. He, some signing, really. For, he didn't cost a lot of money at all. Mm. Well, you look at him now and you sort of think what we're into doing, letting him go in, uh, when was it, 2020? I think he went to Zurich. Um, I think you also see the benefit for a, a player of that age, and I guess players are different, but in fact, he's played 60-odd games in the Swiss League. He's got that bit more experience. Uh, so there's a you know, there's, there's end product there, as, you know, as well as being very you know, technically very good. Um, and he's now, you know, he's uh, Italy's youngest ever goal scorer. Um, so, yeah, I think he's a... He's a really exciting talent, and he's also he's one of those players who things have sort of worked out for him. That I don't think you'd 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 plot a career progression to leave Inter to go to Switzerland to go to Leeds, but what it's meant is he's he's sort of he's got experience at a at a decent level, but not a, an oppressive level uh, with with Zurich, and you know he's now getting regular games in the Premier League in a team where, in some sense, there's not a huge amount of pressure on him because. You know, he he's sort of his kid, and nobody knows about who's coming and is doing brilliantly. But nobody sort of expected him to, to to sort of be the figure who keeps leads up. Um, and yeah, he's yeah, you know, he's quick, he's good on the ball, as, as you say, he's got that low centre of gravity plus sort of the upper body strength, and he scores. So yeah. I think really bright prospect. I mean, this is true in football and in life. Sometimes you have to go backwards to go forwards. And that's definitely what, what Nonto's done. I really am struggling with, with his name. That, that silent G is absolutely killing me. I can't, I can't work out what to do with it. I'm definitely not making it silent. The game last night, Jonathan, Manchester United, obviously got a couple of big characters missing in midfield. Casemiro suspended, Ericsson out. So it was, it was Fred and Sabitza last night. Manchester United just... They lacked that player on the ball last night, didn't they? That they lacked control of the game, in particular in the first half, and that's why why, why Leeds probably ran right in that in that first half in terms of on the break as well, because Casemiro wasn't there to, to to break it up. It was very difficult for Manchester United without those two players in midfield. Yeah, I mean, I think Ericsson, they just don't have another player of that type, and I, I think it's the sort of player. There's a, there's not many of them about, and B, United haven't had one for a long time. Somebody who can dictate the play from deep. Um, Sabitzer, I mean, he's, I don't think he's quite in Ericsson's class, but he gives you a little bit of that. I think he's, he's a good all round. Yeah, Sabitzer's a good all round player. I'm not quite sure why it didn't work out from at Bayern because you know, he always impressed me when I saw him at Leipzig. Um, so I think this is probably a good move for him. I think he's, you know, he's a useful player for United to have because he can give you cover in, you know, in well, for Ericsson, for, for Casemiro, probably not quite the level of either, but you know, he'll, he'll do a job. So I. I, I thought I felt United generally last night, the first half, were, were slightly off. I, I think it'd be unfair to say it's specifically because of the middle of midfield. Um, I, I thought it was, I, th- I think it was just generally with United the last sort of two or three weeks after that really good run they were on, there's just been a slight leveling off. Um, but, you know, they, 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 they came back strong in the second half and, and I think probably deserved a draw in the end. Um, and yeah, it's for them. It's a case of getting getting through the next couple of games till, till Casemiro's back. But when he is back, they've got 
that option alongside him or for Sabata or Fred or McTominay, which is um, not a bad position to be in. I mean, they'd rather have Ericsson, but compared to where they were a year ago, that's a much healthier looking squad. Yeah, and also Sancho was back last night, Ben. Got on the score sheet. I think Melea will be a little bit disappointed with, with conceding that goal, but it was good to see him in the goals against Sancho because he's kind of become a bit a bit of a forgotten man. He was such a hot prospect. Everyone was so excited when he came to the Premier League. It's not really happened for him. But now Manchester United are better. You feel like he might become better as well? Yeah, I think it's... I mean, it depends kind of where Ten Hag looks to play him. He, I feel like he's probably better coming on from the left. Uh, but then you got Rashford out on the left. You do put Rashford up front, but then you got Weghorst and Martial. So it feels not quite crowbarring him into the side on the right. But then you know he's got Anthony's play on the right. He's done well to hold that shape out on the right. He hasn't he hasn't you know had that goal return, which many probably would have expected when they spent a huge sum of money on him in the summer. But then Anthony is well drilled in what Ten Hag wants. Uh, he helps stretch opponents. He helps keep the shape in the final third, which in turn, allows United to go on the front foot. But now he's got Sancho back. There are options out on the left and the right now. Um, you've got Savitzer there as well, as Jonathan mentioned, who is a bit of a jack-of-all-trades coming on the right or in the number 10 role to help with the sort of versatility of that attack line. Um, whether he's back, it you know, no one can really say. But, you know, you get that goal. you got the rapturous applause from the Old Trafford fans. And... It's good to see him back because, as you say, he was a bit of a forgotten man. Yeah, it might give him a boost just, just getting that goal. If I'm even doing that celebration at the moment, so I need to find out why that is. Everyone seems to do that celebration when they score at the moment. Let's finish this game with predictions then. And Jonathan is a league leader. I'll let you go first. Uh, 2 1 to Manchester United. 2 1 to Manchester United. Ben? Uh, only if 2 all. 2 all and I was going to go for 1-1 one, one. so that completes round 2 of Leeds against Manchester United. Next up it's Liverpool v Everton and Jonathan are we looking at the end of days for Jurgen Klopp at Liverpool? I think we might be and I feel it's sort of come upon us suddenly that even 2 or 3 weeks ago I sort of thought oh, it's, it's probably a blip he'll probably get out of this but a combination of how badly Liverpool are playing especially away from home and his attitude Makes me think, yeah, maybe maybe this doesn't have a way back. And they, they got to the point with this with the squad where you look at it, and you think actually there's not maybe Allison, but apart from that, there's not a single bit of that squad that's working at the minute. No, and, and uh, yeah, this happens when teams are out of form and two or three changes, and suddenly things can fall into place very quickly. Um, but it, it feels a bit like United in the bad days or Chelsea in the bad days, where you're sort of looking across the pitch, and you're thinking. Well, if I was if I was rebuilding, what do I keep? And there's not a lot there at the minute. You think, yeah, I definitely keep. I mean, you know, Van Dijk. I know he's injured, but even before the injury, was having a, a poor season. Alexander Arnold, clearly a great player, but he does a very specific job, and he needs others around him to to allow him to do that job. And at the minute, they're they're, they're not doing that. The midfield looks old. Uh, Thiago's defensive work recently has been dreadful. Um, Salah's been out of form for a year now. Yeah, that, I, I think that's. I think no one. Talk, no one's talking about that enough. I think you, the Liverpool fans, would say that the rest of the teams letting Salah down, which, which may be the case. May, no, it Liverpool, may be the case. Liverpool were good last season, weren't they? But since he's come back from the African Cup of Nations this time last year, he has been nowhere near the level that he was at previously. Yeah, um, I mean, I remember. Uh, I don't remember it that well, 
But I, I, I did a piece towards the end of last season talking about this, and his touches in the box had plummeted. And my theory, compared to before the Cup of Nations, my theory was that Luis Diaz coming in, meaning Marnie moving into the middle, meant that rather than having Firmino or Jota in the middle, you know, dropping deep yeah. and creating space, he was sort of being forced to stay too wide, and that was reducing his effectiveness. Um, as I, I haven't looked at the stats for that this season, but... Uh, you know, the eye test would suggest he's not getting in the box as much. Now, whether that's because of Liverpool not having as much of the ball or not using the ball as intelligently or because of the fact that a lot of games he's had Nunez playing there, he's a much more orthodox centre-forward who's not dropping out of the space. Um, whether whether Salah himself has sort of lost a bit of a bit of hunger, a bit of appetite, that maybe he, he sort of... You know, it was obviously a time when he was contemplating a move, got his new contract... And maybe now he's thinking, oh, maybe maybe I should have done what Sadio Mane did and, and, and get out and, and have a new challenge and, and not be part of the decline of, of what had been a great team. Yeah, and Gakpo's kind of walked into the fire, really. I feel a little bit sorry for him because he's walking into a team that, that's not functioning that great. This time last year, Diaz walked into a side that, that was going well, was fighting on, on all fronts. But for Gakpo... They can't come in. I think he's kind of playing up top and Darwin Nunes is playing left-hand side, which, to be honest, Ben, I don't, don't really get because they've brought Nunes in to be a centre-forward, not, not to play on the left-hand side. And I don't think he looks as comfortable out there because he's not a left-sided player. I'm not sure Gakpo looks as comfortable through through the middle either. But on the subject of Salah, you've got some some stats on since Gakpo's come in, Salah's stats. Yeah, since... Uh, so Gakpo's obviously started two league games this season. And um, you got to wonder whether Salah and Gakpo, obviously it takes a while to strike up the understanding with uh, other teammates, especially when it comes in in January. But um, Salah's two worst rated performances this season uh, came against Wolves and Brighton. And then three of the games that Gakpo started. Um, now, obviously, there's a number of mitigating factors that come into why a player would underwhelm. Um, but you kind of think that without Mane being on the left uh, and then they've been chopping change with Diaz and as you said, Nunes going out on the left as well. Um, it's whether Salah's sort of taking that time to adjust to a different type of forward playing through the middle or out on the left because the reason that Liverpool was so effective previously was, as Jonathan sort of mentioned, the touches in the opposition box have dropped. That'll be because Mane came through the middle and I think they're really missing Firmino uh, dropping deep to collect the ball and that just opens up the uh, space for the wide falls to exploit. Um, I think it's similar to happening in Salah now in that Nunes likes to get in the box. Gakpo, his goal return in the Eredivisie, admittedly he is a different type of forward, but one who is also effective in the box to a different manner of Firmino. So it, it, it'll take some time for him to adjust. I still think Liverpool were stupid not to sign a central midfielder in January and splash that one on Gakpo, but it will take, you know, a good few months for them to get up to speed. But until then, it just seems as though Liverpool's front line is really suffering. I mean, like Jonathan says, there's there's nothing that's functioning well in the, in that Liverpool team at the moment, except for perhaps the, the goalkeeper is having having a decent season. But Fabinho's the one one for me, Jonathan. I know he's not playing at the moment. You know, when he does play, it looks like he's running through treacle. He's not protecting the back four as well as he used to. He's not then giving those in front of him the platform to go forward and make things happen. And they're now at the point where a kid is playing over him and he's getting praised for being Liverpool's best player but I honestly I'm not having a go at him I honestly just think he's doing the basics as well I don't think he's doing anything special he's literally just performing a basic role of a, of a defensive midfielder but yet he's their best player yeah I mean what's happened to Fabinho I don't, I don't know but 
yeah, you're, you're right. His his form has, has, I mean, the two players, I mean, I'm, I'm sure Ben has stats on this, but I, I would suggest that the two players whose form has, has most declined since last season are Son, although he actually has played pretty well the last week or two, and, and Fabinho. And whether that's a physical thing, whether something is going on off the pitch, um, whether it is other things around him on the pitch that, that, that you know, I, I think that um, the structures of teams are very delicate and uh, a player can suddenly be put under different types of pressure by things, tiny things going wrong around him that, that we as lay people find it very hard to see. And maybe even professional coaches find very hard to see. But um, I think that's particularly true of a team like Liverpool, where it was so much about the system. And I think this is why these hard-pressing teams, when it goes wrong, it can go badly wrong very quickly. You know, this hasn't been a gradual decline. This has been a sudden decline. And that's because one player being off in one part of the pitch means that that bit of a structure isn't working. That has a knock-on effect on the people around him. Maybe their confidence then starts to wane or they start to sort of do jobs that they weren't having to do before because they haven't covered for people. And that has a knock-on effect elsewhere. And then suddenly that, that, that system, that incredibly sophisticated mechanism, which was what made them able to challenge City on a, a far smaller budget, suddenly that's going haywire all over the place. And it's very, very hard to, to put right because it's a systemic failure that everything starts to go wrong because of initially because of one detail, but then the, the rot spreads. Um, and then yeah, personalities get involved. Um, and I, I think this is a thing that, that um, is often sort of overlooked, that tactics and emotions are interlocked. You, you know, they're, not, they're not discrete things. And Klopp was seen as this sort of great all-seeing figure who got everybody whipped up and everybody really passionate, everybody believing in the club and also put in place this mechanism, got people um, doing incredibly hard work and complicated work and focusing and concentrating and putting in the physical effort to make that system work. And now he looks a slightly isolated figure. He's starting to snap at people in press conferences. Stories here from the dressing room are that he's, you know, he's not in a good mood in training and people are starting to doubt him. And and so the whole thing just spirals and, and gets worse and worse. And he you know, he has put this right before two two seasons ago. They had a, a not dissimilar blip. Um, so it's it's not completely impossible that, that this this gets rectified. But as each week goes by, it it looks harder and harder to put right. Yeah, and Sean Dyche has come straight in at Everton and got three points, Jonathan, against Arsenal as well, who were going very, very well, as we all know. The question I've got here is, is Everton the perfect squad? Is that the perfect fit for Sean Dyche? But actually, I would go further than that and say, is Sean Dyche the perfect fit for Everton? Um, I mean, I, I, the obvious thing you'd say to that from a from a purely tactical point of view is they didn't play 4-4-2. So his Burnley side pretty much always played 4-4-2. Well, Everton didn't against Arsenal. They played 4-5-1 and the midfield three were, were all excellent. Uh, Gay had his best game since since coming back. Um, Anana, you know, we'd seen flashes of him this season, but he was really good again. Dekure, he'd been frozen out by Lampard, was excellent. And Anana and Dekure, especially, and Gay to an extent as well. Um, but Anana and Dekure, they, they're not just hard-working, aggressive players who win the ball. They've, they've got a bit of flair about them as well. Gay's a bit more withdrawn and sort of keep it safe. But the three of them together were were excellent. And and yeah. Odegaard had 
uh, yeah, his 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 least effective game, I think, probably of the season. Um, that midfield that's been such a strength for Arsenal was overpowered. Um, the first sort of twenty minutes or so, uh, Calvert Lewin was a bit isolated, and you were sort of thinking, oh, "I'm not really sure this is going to work." I think Arsenal will eventually just sort of grind them down, and then they switched over Iwobi and sorry, remind me who the other McNeil. white player was, McNeil. Um, and for some reason, because they were then uh, on the on the wrong sides, they were able to get closer to, to Calvert Lewin, and that last hour of the game. I'd say Everton were comfortably the better side. And also, um, they just looked a danger from every corner. Every, I mean, simple corners, just swing it into the back post. And Ramsdale did not look comfortable at all under that, which I, I think could be a problem for Arsenal going forward. But also, you know, it, 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 it shows that you, you, can, you can cause a threat from set plays not doing particularly complicated things. So I, I think maybe, is, is this the perfect squad for Daesh? I'm sure there's improvements and changes he would make. Is Dyche perfect for this squad? I think maybe the timing is right because I think there's been a uh, previous times when Everton would have thought, hang on, Sean Dyche, we're better than that. Well, they're not. And they're obviously not now. They're bottom of the table when he came in or maybe level on points of stand at the bottom of the table. And I think his the simplicity of his approach, clearing minds, Getting down to just sort of playing basic football, and Everton's squad is is better than a bottom three squad, so that simplicity of approach may be exactly what what works. And, and I think that the I mean I, I was at Goodison on Saturday, and the the really striking thing was how straightforward it was. It wasn't that they were clinging on. I mean, Arsenal mm. lads, and Ketia missed that chance. There was the clearance off the line from a Saka volley. Uh, Odegaard put one over in the second half, but they, it wasn't that Arsenal were absolutely battering them. Uh, Everton held on pretty comfortably, and it was it all seemed quite straightforward. Yeah, I think why I'm saying Dyche feels a good fit for Everton, Ben, is because when were Everton last good under David Moyes, and that performance at the weekend felt like it felt like a bit like the David Moyes time, where a big a big team's gone to gone to Goodison, and Everton have upset the apple cart. Yeah, uh, I I think as well. I mean, he had Lampard sort of chopping and changing with the setup that he wanted, whether it would be a four man or a three man defence, but. Yeah, Dyche, not necessarily go back to basics, but he's brought in that four-man back line. You could sort of tell straight away what defence that would be as soon as he came in. Um, minus, of course, maybe Patterson might have started had he been fit, but then he got the experience of Coleman down that right side. So it was fairly obvious they were going to go Coleman, Cody, Tarkovsky, Michaelenko. Um, and it's just kind of bringing that solid four-man back line in that Dyche has worked with before with Burnley. Um, and then... As Jonathan said, he's got that, you know, very good, hard-working midfield of Gay, Decore and Anana, whereas Anana and Decore do have that flair to get forward and help support the attack. And then you've got Cavett-Lewin up there with as that sort of battering round striker. I mean, there's a bit more to his game than just you put the ball on his head and he'll score. But it does seem as though this is a really good squad for Daesh. Um, I think it's better that they went for Daesh than they would have done uh, under Bielsa because yeah, definitely. it just... It's, yeah, I mean, Bielsa just, I don't think, would have worked at all. Daesh, it just seems a really good fit to haul them up the table and put the points on the board, which is just what they need to do. Yeah, well, Calvert-Lewin had a quarter of his whole season shots on, on Saturday. Had four of his, no, is that right? I've done that math right. I have done that math right. Four of yeah. his 16 <laughs> shots this season came against Arsenal. So more involved in the game, which, which is what they'll want as well. And Jonathan's right. Not many teams will want to come up 
against that midfield at Goodison Park. I said that's a difficult, tough midfield to, to play against, I, I would say, because there's, there's a lot in there in terms of energy, bite, and also Anana at times was up alongside Calvert-Lewin, ma- making it a 4-4-2 at times, and with his height and presence and him Decore coming from deep into the box as well, Everton were a threat from crosses and that they deserve to win the game. Combined 11 time now, I'll come to you first for yours, Jonathan. What's the spread? Uh, what is the spread? I find this really difficult because... It's not an ideal one, is it? It's like, how far back am I meant to be going when judging form? But I guess if I'm picking a game for this weekend, if I'm picking a team for a game this weekend, I've got uh, one, two, three, four... I've got six Everton, five Liverpool. Mm. But think, that's lo- uh, largely, that- as ever, I'm picking in units. Do you think a, a week ago you'd have had six Everton, five Liverpool? No, absolutely not. Uh, just that you've been you've been heavily influenced by the weekend's proceedings. Well, I guess they were much better on Saturday. I mean, that's they were hopeless fair. under Lampard and they're quite good under Dice. So that's fair. I'm presuming yeah. Sean Dice is going to be the manager of your team rather than Jurgen Klopp. Then, uh, yeah, at the minute, yeah, yeah. Okay, interesting. Ben, what, what's the who scored spread? So we kind of did it just to see at more out of intrigue, um, and we do have Liverpool's the dominant side with seven players to Everton's four. Uh, gone for a 4-3-3 with Allison in goal, Alexander-Arnold, Gomez, Tarkovsky and Robertson at the back. Midfield three of Iwobi, Onana and Thiago and Salah, Nunes and Gray up front. Okay. I'm not even, I'm not even sure what I make of it in all, in all honesty. I can't <laughs> tell you whether it's good. I can't tell you whether it's bad. I just don't know what I make of that at all. Jonathan, what's your turn? Um, I mean, basically, it's the wings of Liverpool, the goalkeeper's Liverpool and the middle's Everton. So, Allison, yeah. Alexander-Arnold, Cody, Tarkovsky, Robertson... Gay and Anna Dekure as a midfield three, then Salah with a massive question mark. Um, basically, if he hasn't done anything in the first 20 minutes, he's coming off. Uh, Calvert Lewin and Nunez. Interesting. I think Nunez can do a job you... coming off the left. I just don't like it. I don't, I don't think it, it looks comfortable. You know, you talk, people talk about the eye test when they're watching football. To me, it just looks awkward, him out, him out on the left. I think he's just an awkward player, though. And the thing is, he, he would work hard. Oh yeah, I'm not disputing his his work. And right, or... he would uh, he would he would bring the mate, which I quite like. So you know, he bring the what? I don't even know what that means. The mate, you know, the Uruguayan tea. You must have seen it. The the good with the with the bombisha, the silver straw. I mean, I don't know what bombisha means. Either. You literally it's like talking a different language. It's like you're talking in Uruguayan. <laughs> well, so Argentina and Uruguay, they've they, they've got this obsession with mate. So it's. It's it's this sort of very ritualistic thing. So you have a like a, a good, uh, so uh, you know a, it would be a hollowed out squash or something originally, and then they they put jerba um, mate, the, the the bitter green leaves, hot water. You put the silver straw in the bombisha. Oh, you a have funny a drink that they all walk around with. Yeah, and oh, then you okay. pass it around the circle, and everybody has a has a suck from the from the straw, and you put more water on. Okay. And then uh, 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 would bring that, and I think it's, it's I think it's a good thing for team bonding. A lot of footballers not from the Rio Platense area are, are getting into it now. I've seen a few Villa players doing it. Yeah, I was, I was very, very. But it's, just, it's a very nice sort of ritual thing, kind of. Yeah, you know, if, if you if you don't, if, you know, if you don't want to be sort of drinking kind of huge amounts of coffee, you just you know you, you have that and you have a, a little sip every five minutes, and it's it's got a I don't know what it is the stimulant in it, but it's a caffeine-like stimulant. Um, it's, like the, it's like the opposite of Jamie Vardy. Yeah, it's opposite of me. 
<laughs> when you talk about mat irons, I thought you talk about pint. I really didn't know. I didn't know where we, where we were going to going at all. At all with that, completely lost me. You will have seen the confusion on my face and everyone who's watching. Not for the first time. Not for the first time. Will not be the last as well. That problem with the that weather thing didn't we? At one point, when Martin was doing the podcast, where I didn't know what something was. I can't remember what it was now. Again, I forgot. You tried to blag to me that it was to do with the weather. But it was. It's, uh, Martin, what was it? It was. Um, it was, it was a play. Metronomic. Metronomic. Yeah. Metronomic. Not metronomic. Yeah, I didn't know what that meant either. I remember there'd be a segment every week where I got caught <laughs> out by not knowing what something is because that definitely happened then. I do know about Arsenal v Brentford, thankfully. So let's talk about that now. Are we doing predictions? Oh, no. Yeah, we are. I don't know how to do my own job. Let's go back. <laughs> let's do Let's do the predictions then. Thank you, Jonathan. I'll go first. I'm going to go for Liverpool 1, Everton 1. Ben? That's going to do the same. One all. One all. Yeah. Jonathan. Mm-hmm. One more. It's a full house of one ones. Let's look then at Arsenal v Brentford. Now we've done the predictions. We have touched on Arsenal a little bit there, Jonathan, in the Everton segment. Their only previous Premier League defeat this season was followed up with a Brentford game, and they won that 3 0. Do you envisage them following it up this time with a win? Uh, yeah, probably, but there's, there's definite question marks. I mean, partly because Brentford are playing so well, uh, nine unbeaten now. Um, defensively look very, very solid. I think they play the type of game that old Arsenal hated playing against. Uh, you know, that, that the physicality, the, the capacity to go direct. I think Arsenal are a bit better at dealing with that this season, but you'll remember the opening game of the season last year. Uh, and also, I'm interested to see how Arsenal react to what happened last Saturday because it wasn't like the defeated United in that the defeated United, they could say, oh, we had that goal ruled out for VAR. If that had gone the other way, maybe we would have won it. And yeah, we were on top and then uh, a couple of over-aggressive substitutions over through the second half gave United the chance to counter-attack. So you, you, you could, portray, if you were an Arsenal fan, you could portray that as being, oh, we, we got a bit unlucky there. Whereas they weren't unlucky at Everton. They, they, they deservedly lost the game 1-0 and they, they were very, very flat. And I think the, the really big issue is Ramsdale from corners because he looked so shaky, just balls dropped on the six-yard box. And Brentford are very, very good from set plays. So... Um, and they have big players who can attack that. And I, I, I think every time Arsenal can see the corner, that, that will be a, a a source of threat for Brentford. Yeah, you feel like Brentford may have watched that game with, with keen interest, like, like you say. And they are very good at set pieces. Ivan Tony, Pinnock, Ben Mee's good from, from a set piece as well. So Arsenal have really got to be on, on that at the weekend. This is, this is a real tough one. Not, not an ideal game, is it, for, for them, Ben? Because they're not used to losing this season. So they're not used to having to bounce back. And I would say... Brentford are one of the more teams to bounce back again because Brentford are very good at what they do. They're very well drilled and very organised, but they're also a threat going forward. I think the issue as well was when they did play them uh, last season, I mean, Arsenal responded excellently. That was Brentford's only home defeat in the league this season was that Arsenal defeat. Um, away from home, Brentford have only won twice. Admittedly, one of those was at Man City, but it is a very difficult game for Arsenal to navigate, as Jonathan pointed out, and yourself as well, Dan. Um uh, it's, they're just going to you know, try and get the ball to Tony, try and disrupt that rhythm uh, in the back line and look for the knockdowns for the likes of Mbwemo and is it Wissa who play on the left, Wissa, I imagine? Well, he, he played at the, at the last game. He didn't yeah, play. So, so, if you, if so, you'd feel they'd go with that front three against Arsenal at the moment because why not? Why not have a go? Brentford are 
absolutely fly. They're top six at the moment, Brentford. I think I think they might be. They're, they're absolutely flying, riding at the crest of a wave at the, the moment. He's, mm. he's done a brilliant job there, to Thomas Frank. And when I watch Brentford, Jonathan, that's one of the things that I think one of the things that goes, it's almost missed, is the goalkeeper's so good with the ball at his feet that they can just, when they need to, just go long to Tony. Tony he finds Tony in just the perf- perfect manner. The, the, the weight of the pass, the, the pace on the distribution from the goalkeeper always finds Tony. And Tony will, Tony will win headers and win flick-ons for Mbwemo and, and Visa if he, if he plays as well. So Arsenal are going to have to be on their guard. And that, again, that feels like the kind of thing Arsenal may not deal brilliantly with, even though they are more resilient than they were previously. Yeah, I mean, particularly if if, if doubts have been a, awakened by the way Carl Lern played really well against them. Um, it got knockdowns and got got shots. Um, I don't I mean, it, it could go... You know, the thing Alex Ferguson always said was, it's not the defeat, it's how you react to the defeat. And if they come back and win this comfortably 2-0 and go on, you know, win two or three in a row... Um, and obviously they've got the City game coming up, which is is massive. Um, say say they won this and, and and took even a point off from the City game, you'd say, well, yeah, it, it's fine. It doesn't matter that they they lost that game. In, in a in a perverse way, you can say they came out of the weekend stronger than they went into it because they have the same lead that they had before, but there's one fewer game yeah. to play. Um, so so the fact that that I mean, I, I guess you'd say playing away at Everton. On paper, maybe not in fact, but on paper, is an easier game than playing away at Spurs, which you know the same game as City had. But fundamentally, they're one step closer to the finish line, and they have the same lead. Um, I think had that lead been down to two points, even if they had a game, in, even though they'd had a game in hand, then there might have been a bit more anxiety. But they've yeah. still got; they can still afford to lose two games to City, and they, they can still, you know, and it's still in their hands even after that. So. It's it, yeah, it's a it's a big test, and if they if they don't win this, then definitely there's questions asked about them temperamentally. But I, 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 yeah, Brentford's away form is not that great. Arsenal's home form is great, and maybe this is just a chance to reset and sort of get focused on the basics again. And the thing the thing I worry about about Arsenal, I've sort of felt this for two or three weeks. It's almost like they've entered the run in too early. The I mean, yeah, we're doing it as well. We're talking about ah oh, the five points deal with the game in hand with. 18 games to go. Um, well, that's that's absurd. You know, you shouldn't be thinking, oh, 16 wins and we've won the title. 16 wins is an awful lot. Uh, so it, it, I do worry that they might have they might have got into that sort of um, highly stressed headspace too early. Uh, and then, a, you know, a defeat could knock them. Um, but I, I, I think I, I think they will. I think they will be OK here. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Brentford's away form. It hasn't been great all, all season, in fairness, but their defence is looking pretty solid at the moment. They've only conceded one in their last five since Ethan Pinnock's kind of returned around that same time as well. So Brentford will be tough to break down. Let's have some score predictions then. Uh, it's your turn to go first, I believe, Ben. Yeah, I think it'll be closer than the reverse fixture, but I do think Arsenal will nick it 2-1. Arsenal 2-1. Jonathan? 2-0 Arsenal. 2-0 to Arsenal. I'm going to go 2-1 as well. Yeah, 2-1 to Arsenal. We finish then, as always, with the Just a Minute section. And remember, it is called Just a Minute for a reason. Jonathan, you're going to start with West Ham against Chelsea, a London derby. Yeah, and two teams in, in slightly uncertain form. Um, they're probably going in reverse directions. That uh, West Ham, after a, a pretty rocky run, lost five games in a row in the league. They're now through to the fifth round of the cup. 
they've uh, last four games in the league, they, they've won one and drawn two. But the two they drew were away at Leeds and Newcastle, both of which they probably think were, were certainly one at Newcastle, they think was a, a decent performance and a decent result. Uh, but there is a sense of things beginning to settle down, even though they are still only a point of a drop zone. Uh, a lot of injuries still. Zuma, Corne, Kera all out. Uh, doubt over Skamaka. Um, Chelsea, I mean, who knows what's going on? Massive squad. Uh, almost possible to predict their lineup, but also a lot of injuries. Pulisic, Kante, Fafana, Kovacic all out. Uh, Boya a doubt. Uh, Zakaria and Mendy out. Uh, Jeff Felix still suspended. Uh, it was 2 1 at Stamford Bridge, and I think Chelsea probably have just enough to win again, but probably only 1 0. 1 0 to Chelsea, Ben. 1 0. 1 0. I'm going to go for 2 0 to Chelsea. It feels like Joe Felix has been suspended forever. That was game think, he got sent off feels like it was a real long time ago. I think he's back for this one. This is oh, is he? Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, is sorry. He? Oh, Jonathan feeding me false information. <laughs> there, that, that's why. There we go, Joe Felix. He has felt like he's suspended forever, but he's back for this one. Uh, ben, Leicester v Spurs, the Ian Walker derby. <laughs> I like that one. Uh, Leicester yeah. ended a five-game winless run at Aston Villa last weekend. As a run out 4-2 winners at Villa Park with debutant Tete in particular impressive for the Foxes. The Brazilian shoekeeper spot alongside James Madison and Harvey Barnes support Kelechi Iheanacho with Brendan Rodgers potentially going for an unchanged 11 here. Ryan Bertrand and James Justin remain sidelined for the Foxes, but Leicester's injury rows are easing with Johnny Evans, Ricardo Pereira, Bubakari, Sumari and Wilfred and Diddy potentially available in some capacity here. Leicester do have the second worst home record in the division and need to start making home advantage count more if they are to steer clear of danger. Tottenham have been rocked by the news that Hugo Lloris is out for at least six weeks owing to a knee injury sustained in the wonder win over Manchester City last week. And with Christian Romero suspended, change needed at the back. Fraser Forster and Devinson Sanchez should start and go on defence respectively as a result. Pepisar and Lucas Moura doubts, but Richardson was fit enough for the bench last week. Uh, January arrivals, Pedro Porro and Arnaud Danjuma are unlikely to start here with the former having to wait a little longer for his debut given Emerson Royal's solid form of late. Spurs won this fixture last season in dramatic circumstances, but more comfortable answer is expected for the North London side, who will hope to have Antonio Conte back in the dugout, and I think Tottenham will win this one 3-1. 3-1, I was over a minute, by the way, Ben. A little warning for you there. We take 3-1 to Spurs? Yeah. Hmm. I'm going to go for 1-1. One, one. I've got a lot of 1-1s one, today. Jonathan? 2-1 uh, to Spurs. 2-1 to Spurs. Jonathan, next for you is Southampton against Wolves. Which you'd say is probably a, a six-pointer, but what I'm really looking forward to here is the, the new uncompromising Nathan Jones after his <laughs> oh, God. slightly... Slightly bizarre post-match interviews um, last week. Uh, I saw it was. I think it was on the Football Clichés podcast, and they said he. <laughs> and it was such a good description. Said that he he felt like a um, somebody who just committed a kidnap on Coronation Street, like a, a soap villain. He you know, turned up at the soap awards looking completely different, with a much more polite accent in a few months. But the problem is, he just doesn't look or act like a Premier League manager. So the sense is he's out of his depth, and maybe that's totally unfair. But it's definitely coming it to time. Unfair. It's definitely coming to time to to you know to to sort that out. Uh, they've lost eight of the last nine games in the league, although they are through the fifth round of the cup. Um, uh, Wolves are five points ahead of them. They've, they've taken ten points of six games under Lopetegui. He's made a big difference. They're two defeats in that time to the two Manchester clubs. Both clubs have a scattering of injuries, but I think Wolves will win this one nil. One nil to Wolves. I'm going to go for three one to Wolves. I don't think I've ever predicted Wolves to score three goals in my life, Ben. 2-0 to Wolves. 2-0 to Wolves. Right, that was well... I think I was well under a minute, that one, Jonathan. Bang on a minute. I've got was it, was it bang, bang on a minute? Yeah, just despite your interruption, it was bang on. 
I'm I'm going to do things. I'm going to do things my way now, Jonathan. I'm not going to. I'm, I'm not going to let interferences from outside come in and affect the way I do things. I'm I'm very Nathan Jones nowadays. Um, Fulham against Forest for yeah, Stan Collie. That's a Stan Collymore derby. Yeah, Fulham didn't quite do the double over Chelsea this season, but a nil-nil draw with their West London rivals means they've taken four points off the Blues. Having said, a stalemate at Stamford Bridge extended their winless run to three league matches, though narrow defeats to Tottenham and Newcastle isn't anything to really worry about. Marco Silva's side welcomed Nottingham Forest to Craven Cottage with just Nice Ken's Cabano, got there in the end, injured. So it's likely that Silva names an unchanged 11 for the Saturday's Welcome Forest after Fulham, after they suffer no further injury concerns and in their 3-2 epic win over Sunderland. Steve Cooper takes his men to the capital in the midst of a five-game beating run in the Premier League, winning three of those, including a 1-0 victory over old foes Leeds that cost Jesse Marsh's job. Forest have saved their best performances for the city ground. Uh, Cooper's side winning just once on the road in the league this term. Forest still have a number of rounds to tease here, and this one comes too soon for January arrival John Joe Shelby. Dean Henson is among those ruled out, though Caelan Nevis put in a man match display in his first foreign appearances. So the absence of unknown Henson isn't a massive blow. However, I still think Fulham have enough to get the job done and that they will win 2 1. 2 1 to Fulham. I'm going to go for, I don't know, for another 1 1. There's going to be a lot of 1 1s this weekend. Jonathan? <laughs> 1 0 to Fulham. 1 0 to Fulham. Ben, most of Ben's minute there was spent trying to sign Niskin's Cabana there. That was well done. Good, good, good effort. Um, Palace against Brighton for you, Jonathan. Uh, Brighton in great form. Uh, sixth in the table, must be contemplating a, a first ever European campaign. Uh, they've won five, drawn one of the last six in all competitions, and they haven't lost away since City beat them as far back ago as the 22nd of October. Um, Palace, completely different. Uh, no win this year. Uh, they haven't won in six in all competitions. They're now only six points above the relegation zone. So you, you would be surprised if they got sucked into danger, but given how other teams at the bottom are beginning to improve, they do need a, a, a turnaround pretty quickly. and they've, They'll be starting to look anxiously over their shoulders. Um, this is obviously a derby, a slightly odd derby. Uh, and Palace are unbeaten in the last six games against Brighton, although they haven't actually met since January last year. Uh, so we've got no no previous game this season to go on. Um, Zaha Ward, MacArthur, Ferguson out, Anderson a doubt, um, Moda, Colwell out, and then a load of doubts, and uh, McAllister suspended. 1-0 Brighton. I'm going to go for 2-0 to Brighton, Ben. 1-0 uh, Brighton. 1-0 to Brighton. Ben, your last one is Manchester City against Aston Villa. Manchester City were unable to capitalise upon Arsenal's defeat at Everton last weekend as they slipped to a 1-0 loss at Tottenham. Some cracks have started to show for City in recent weeks. Pep Guardiola had overseen a run of three defeats in their last six. Meanwhile, the club had been rocked by charges of financial fair play by the Premier League in what's likely to be a long-running saga off the pitch. On it, City do remain in Paris at home. They failed to win only two of 18 matches at the Etihad Stadium in the season and of which have won each of the last 12 home league meetings with Sunday's opponents Aston Villa. Foden is a doubt due to illness, but John Stone's unlikely to, re- to return to action until next month. Uh, having picked up 10 points from the previous four matches, Villa fell to a surprise 4-2 home defeat to relegation threatened Leicester last weekend. On the road, they've won their last three, beating Brighton, Tottenham, Southampton, and seen just the once in that run. And they did give City a scare in this fixture last season. Summer signing Diego Carlos is due back in training soon. They won't feature here, and nor will Bertrand Troyer or Jed Steer. Emery does have options to tinker with his system and might be tempted to use a more defensive mind to set up to frustrate City at the Etihad Stadium. However, I do think City will get the job done against Villa and win 3-1. Oh, do I do, I do it? Do I do it or not? No. I'm going to go for Manchester City 3, Villa 1. Jonathan? 2-0 to City. 
2-0 to City. Jonathan, your last game here is Bournemouth against Newcastle. Eddie Howe returning to his to his former team. Has he been back yet? Is this the first time he's been back? I feel like he uh, perhaps didn't. No, he, he went he went there in the Carabao Cup. Oh, well, they faced ben, him in the Carabao Cup. Exceptional knowledge to 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 know that. Yeah, okay. Bournemouth Obviously, I was going to say that in my, my minute. I felt like you. I felt like you were about you were about to jump in, Jonathan. Yeah. If they played him at home, so it's the first time he's going back. That's what I was right. There we go. The first, mm. I was right. There we go. This is <laughs> this is the new one compromising Dan Bardell. This is this is what I do. Uh, Bournemouth v Newcastle, Jonathan. Well, I'm sure Eddie Howe's in for a, a vicious reception from a vitality. Uh, <laughs> um, Bournemouth, though, they've had a. I mean, they've got a haunted look at the minute. They've. Uh, taken one point. Oh, sorry, they've, they've drawn one and lost seven of the last eight games, all competitions in the league. They've only taken four points from the last 11 games. And the big worry is they're just not scoring goals. One goal scored in the last six. Uh, they probably would take some positives from the defeated Brighton, where they, they played pretty well before going down to Matoma's uh, very late winner. Um, Newcastle have still had only one defeat all season, but they have drawn four of the last five. And there certainly was no title challenge from them now. Uh, maybe getting the top four is looking a bit a bit less likely than it was before. They too have struggled for goals, only two in the last five games, but they have only conceded one in that time. They've had six nil nils to see, but three of them have come in those last five games. Uh, Gamara suspended for them, uh, targeting craft out, but I think they'll have just enough, and I've got them down to win this one nil. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to say Bournemouth are going to win two nil against Newcastle at the weekend. Ben, uh, copying Jonathan, going for one nil to Newcastle. One nil to Newcastle. Have we got a, have we got a league table update for our, for our predictions, Ben? No, I haven't had a chance to do Come it. Come on, Ben. Okay. I've been asking for weeks. I know. I just haven't had the time to do it. Be more Nathan Jones. Come on, we need we need to know. I don't want to be more Nathan Jones. You've got to be more Nathan. Point. Nathan would have no, got that. We would have got that I done. Straight up, refuse to be more Nathan Jones. He would have hundred percent got that done, Nathan Jones. I, I don't well, think we'll be talking about Nathan well, Jones again because I think he probably gets sacked <laughs> after this weekend. If we can get him on the show next week and he can sort out the league table. I don't see him wanting to come on any any form of, <laughs> of, of podcast in defence, especially not this one after the way we've spoken about him. But he, he probably can <laughs> get a gig as a villain on Corrie. So, you know, it's, uh, if not nothing lost. else, it's, it's put him in the shop window. He does look like he could be like Sorry. Kevin Webster's brother. <laughs> Long lost yeah. brother, yeah, Kevin yeah. Webster, comes back, it comes back onto the scene, just walks into the Rovers' return. Hi, Kevin. I don't know what I was doing there. That, was, that wasn't a very good impression of Nathan Jones at all. But you know, no, I'm saying it does look a why, bit. Why would why would Kevin Webster's brother be Welsh? I don't know, half brother, half brother, know. yeah, half brother. <laughs> he, I guess fair he, enough. Yeah, he could be. I mean, there's probably been sillier plots in, in Coronation Street over the years. I'm <laughs> I'm gonna say, but this is one to, one to keep an eye on. Nathan Jones in Coronation Street. That does us for this week's bizarre edition of Edge of the Box. Thanks ever so much for tuning in, and thanks to Ben and Jonathan for chatting Premier League with me. We will be back as always next week. If you subscribe to the channel with your post notifications on, you'll know exactly when that video is coming. Enjoy all the football at the weekend, and as ever. Please stay safe.